Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Coupe podcast. Those of you who have listened to this podcast before know I'm Michael Bath. Uh, this is a podcast where we chat about all things Porsche. Today is our regular episode, as I call it. I mean, they're all episodes, but this is our regular episode. So Steve will be uh, connecting up very shortly with Zoom. Uh, I'm just going to connect up with him now. And we're going to talk about, um, I think today we're going to talk about something we haven't spoken about before that I've been requested to talk about. And I have to say the reason why I haven't spoken about this variant of the 911 is because I don't know much about it. Um, So have a guess, see what you think it is that we're going to start talking about today. Uh, and we'll get into the podcast right now. I'm going to connect Zoom. Hopefully the audio quality is great. And we'll start talking with uh, Steve coming in all the way via Zoom from Australia. Just give me one second. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Porsche School podcast. Uh, Steve is on the line. He's connected by our friends at Zoom. Hi, Steve. Hi, mate. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Steve and I have had a bit of a rough week this week. We're both a bit sort of beat up, so we'll try, we'll try and keep this we'll try and keep this episode of the podcast as upbeat as possible. And we've decided to talk, <laughs> and we've and we and Steve and I have decided to talk about something which we know very little about. Um, but as we keep <laughs> as we keep saying, we're enthusiasts. We're not experts. Uh, but this oh, one topic sh- we're talking about today uh, is a variant of the nine eleven. Um, I know I normally don't start the podcast in this way, Steve, but today I'm just going to say it because I did say it in the Good intro life. before you before you came online. It is a variant of the 911 yeah. that we don't talk about it much because one, we don't really want one, I guess, um, and then we don't know much about it. But in saying that, in saying <laughs> You're really that, selling this, mate. <laughs> yeah, in saying that, in saying that, I did actually look at one. I did actually think about buying one once. So. But, you know, this is the fun of the podcast, um, just to give people a great introduction. So don't go away. It's going to be a good one. It really is. Um, so uh, this is the Porsche School Podcast, as I said. Um, I just want to start by saying I've had a bit of a busy week too, Steve, apart from work rubbish, which is always getting in the way of uh, the fun bit, which is doing this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I recorded uh, a couple of um, owner stories since we last spoke. I think I recorded a couple, or maybe not a couple, but Craig's one went up yesterday. I know you haven't listened to mm-hmm. it yet. so No, I haven't listened to it. So that's Craig I from... I listened to it today. Cool. Tell me what you think. So that's Craig from... Uh, Craig is another Porsche uh, owner from Australia. Uh, it's his first 911. Um, so check that out. It's on Apple Podcast, obviously, all the, all the main areas where you can find it. Just search Porsche Cooled if you're not sure. Um, so Craig has got a, a <laughs> I can't even remember. Sorry, Craig. No, 2006, 2006 Carrera 4 in Midnight Blue. I like Midnight Blue. Uh, and he talks about his, um, his ownership experience. Uh, he's got a great uh, little Porsche story to tell, actually. Uh, revolves around a model Porsche and a cap, which is a good story. Um, I'm not going to give it away, so listen to the podcast. But uh, just to say thanks to Craig again for doing that um, that podcast. It was good to um, it was good to chat. I have to say though, Steve, I, I am actually really, I do really enjoy doing the owner stories. I mean, they take up time, but it's kind of mm. nice. Just you forget how close the community is and how similar we all think about the buying process. You know what I mean? The more people I talk to. I think the more you can help other owners and other people who haven't bought yet, because we do actually follow, we all kind of follow that same, that same path. Yeah. I find it interesting because um, I'm just no good with talking to people I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying you're an expert with it. I would have thought as a massive generalization, you're probably similar-ish. 
Um, you're not quite, you're nowhere near as introverted as I am, but... Um, so what are you saying? Uh, you're saying I'm bad. You're saying it's terrible. Is no, I'm saying? not saying it at all. I'm just <laughs> saying that um, it's interesting how being able to talk about a common interest actually makes that a lot easier. It does. It does. It makes it It makes it a lot easier. Um, I recorded one on um, Monday as well, uh, Monday mm. night here in Bahrain, because uh, the guy I was talking to is in the US, uh, Andrew. I'm not going to give too much away about it because I like it to be a bit of a surprise when it comes up. But Andrew does have a YouTube channel. Um, and he does have a really cool Instagram. And it was interesting talking to Andrew because he's, and people will see this when the title comes up, he's got a 991, but he has owned an air-cooled and he has owned a, a, another, a, a water-cooled as well. So he's owned a, like three generations of 911. But it was interesting mm. talking about the 991, which was almost, Steve, the same, almost the same way when I was talking to James, actually. I don't know much about the 991. Like I haven't really yep. been looking at it. I don't really research it. But I have yep. to say, after talking to James and after talking to Andrew and also Nick in the UK, because Nick is starting to look at GTSs, you know, I have to say the 991 yep. is is something that I'm that I'm looking at more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give away the the podcast that's coming next Tuesday, which is next Tuesday's owner story, what what it's all about. But with Andrew, it was yep. interesting that he decided that he wanted he did want something with more power, um, so he changed to an, to the 991. Um, I won't give away what he changed from, but it'll all make sense when you listen to the podcast. But it's interesting the reasons why you want a 911. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's kind of interesting, like I was saying last week, Steve, about people saying, you know, apologizing if they've got a cabriolet or apologizing if they've got a Carrera 4. It becomes more and more obvious the more people I talk to is that, you know, you have reasons, you have buying criteria, right? And sometimes you're buying criteria. You might buy a air-cooled or a 996 or whatever, and you may want a Tiptronic. You know what I mean? You may not want a manual. Mm. You know, we are, in my head, I always think people only want to buy the manual and the manual is what people want. But some people actually choose to buy a Tiptronic. And Andrew did that, actually. He actually chose to buy a Tiptronic. Yeah. And Craig's story, which was just on on Tuesday, he also chose to buy a Tiptronic. He's actually, you know, got a Tiptronic as well. So it's interesting hearing that side of the story because I don't really think much about that side of it in 996s, 997s, you know what I mean, the yeah, automatic. Sure. It, um, it, even what you just said, it made me realise too because um, I was trying to have a look at um, just some cars on um, car sales like the Australian um, website and often when we talk about, when we just kind of, we start throwing in numbers in the conversation, um, I think sometimes I believe you kind of get um, some comments sort of saying that um, the numbers that we talk about are completely incorrect and it's yeah. probably because we keep fil- – well, I think part of that, though, is because we're automatically generally probably talking about manual cars most of the time. So um, they're quite expensive compared to the um, tips or BDKs and stuff like that. So I think it's just because, again, it's just you and me sort of talking and it just so happens that you're recording it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I know. That, that, that comment you're referring to, and I can't remember who it was, um, who said that we got the values remember. all wrong? We actually didn't get the values wrong because we're actually talking in Australian dollars. And I always, and most of the times, I do say it's on car sales. And I know I switch between UK and and my price reference is always UK or Australia more so than US because yeah. I always look on Auto Trader in the UK. But someone said our prices way up. But but I kind of listen back to that episode. The prices weren't way up. You know what I mean? They were for I manual cars. They know. were 
Yeah, they were for prices of the cars in car sales in Australia, which is the car sales is like, you know, the, the car trader site on, in, in, in Australia that most people go to, probably much the only one. And I went back and listened to it. I didn't tell you this. I went back and listened to it and looked, and the prices were about, they were what I was saying they were. I mean, I looked at, they were referred. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think some people think I'm talking in US dollars or something and, and they get confused or something like that. But usually yeah, the reference I'm, is. I'm not. I, I, as with, I think everybody that's listening to this, like I all, I follow, I follow kind of um, cars and car sales. I've kind of got all the alerts and stuff like that, but because I'm not actively kind of buying one, I can't remember it all. So like, if you sort of said to me, Hey, what's a 997 turbo worth right now? Um, I can't actually kind of recall that I can, you know, sort of give you a rough idea. So I'd say 200. That's how I, where I I come to 200. Are they? There yeah. you go. I'd say two hundred. Well, so I rounded up. I rounded up. Manual. I rounded yeah. up. <laughs> um, anyway, whatever. Let's uh, let's just start with uh, let's just start with Patreon because uh, Patreon, as people know, you can join the Porsche Cool podcast on Patreon. You can become a Porsche Cool exclusive ma- member. Um, I wasn't going to mention this in this week's episode, Steve, because we once again didn't have any new members. But uh, yesterday, hmm. we have a new member to our Patreon club, to our Porsche Cooled exclusive club. And we have Barry from is, the UK. Um, so thank you, Barry, for is joining. Barry 006? Hmm? Is Barry 006? Uh, he six is, number six. Yeah, we're up to six patrons now. So Barry's from, uh, Barry joined Porsche Cool Exclusive, like most people do. Everyone goes for the uh, $5 US. I say it's $5 US, but Patreon also shows it in your in your local currency, so people can actually do it in their local currency. I didn't realize because um, I noticed Barry's one is in pounds, so people do it in the local currency. So thanks, Barry, for joining uh Porsche Cool, Steve. Oh, sorry. <laughs> go Barry. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to go Barry. You always do that. Um, oh, okay, I actually sorry. know who Barry is. Barry and I have, have chatted quite a few times on uh, Instagram messages. Barry is, uh, Barry's got a really nice, I don't know which gray it is, Barry. I'm sure it's, is it ag- ag- gray, agate, agate gray? Agate. It's great. Yeah, it's the agate gray, I think. He's got a GTS. He's got a 991.1 GTS. Barry wants okay. me to do, Barry keeps saying to me, how come I haven't done an episode about, we haven't done an episode about the GTS. And yeah, I've been basically, we've been a bit slack and I told him that. And probably it's because... I'm not thinking about it. It's not on my radar, but it kind of is becoming on my radar because more and more people are talking about it. I know Steve has an opinion about the GTS, which I might just ask him, even though we're not going to do a GTS episode today. But Barry has a 901.1 GTS, Steve. Mm-hmm. He's got the good one. He's got the obviously the last of the naturally aspirated cars. Right. And um, I think his reason for buying it, he said to me, he said to me by DM that it's it's really this. He sees it as the sweet spot between the Carrera S and the GT3. And, you know, it's wide-bodied, it's well-optioned, it's better value than if you would spec a Carrera S. I guess if you were specking a Carrera S new to the, where the GTS is, if you could do all those mm. things, which you can't because the, the GTS is a wide body, the Carrera S yep. is, um, we're talking 991 here, the Carrera S is just the narrow body, um, yep. it's still better value. I know there's a reason why you don't think of the GTS, and I know we're going to be talking, we're actually going to be talking about turbos today, but I just want to speak because I the GTS... <laughs> well, the I can't GT- remember this opinion that you're sort of saying. You can't got, remember? So. No, okay, no, you said remember. to me though. You said to me that if if you're thinking, hmm. you think you should go straight to the GT3, oh. right? You told you me you talk- should. Okay, sorry, that's context of nine nine seven. Now nine nine seven was it? Okay, so yeah. not nine nine one. See, I when think you if- were pondering a nine nine seven GTS because they're so expensive. I was sort of. I think I was constantly sort of saying to you, mate, like, why would you spend whatever it was at the time? I think it was like one hundred and sixty 
160 for a 997 yeah. GTS. Well, lovely, those lovely days, car. Those days are gone. Why, yeah, why would you do that when for like, you know, if you tip another 10 or 20 in, then you've got yourself into a GT3. That's why I sort of said I don't think a GTS is um, uh, uh, in, you, in your particular search on your behalf. I didn't think it was right for you. So, right, we were talking 997. I think, you know, yeah. looking at looking at, and I guess at the time that was correct. I think the GTS, I think the one, the GTS and the 997 that I saw that came up on um, mm. car sales ages ago, there was a couple, and they're always in white. And in Australia, they, and I've mentioned this before, I think, I'm not sure if I mentioned this to Barry, but the GTS it's 997 in Australia was only in PDK. In the UK, yeah. it was available in manual. and other markets, it was available in manual. Australia only brought in the PDK. Um, so that was always the the sticking point with the 907 GT3 uh, GTS. Sorry, if it had a manual, it probably would have been a no brainer. But it does have the PDK, and I think you know that's why the the GT3 kind of wins over the GTS and the 997. Don't you think, Steve? Because it is a manual transmission as well. Yeah. Uh, again, in my humble opinion, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in a, of course, if, in our if opinion, it was yeah. cheaper, if it was cheaper, um, it's like so. If you were looking for a 997, and you sort of said, hey. I can pick up a GTS for like 100 and 130, which is sort of like 20 grand more than a, you know, an S. And then it literally kind of split the gap between that and a GT3. Then it's like, yeah, makes complete sense. Go for it. Like heaps better. But um, yeah. not if the price of it is so close to a GT3. I think unfortunately now it's like it's missed the boat again. It missed the boat on the 997 GTS though. Because, you know, they were sitting at, they were like 160, 170-ish. Hmm. They don't come hmm. up very often. They're always in white. They're always in PDK usually. I think there was a black one hmm. at one stage. Um, I think that they've gone. I think the prices of those. The next time one comes up, I think it'll be closer to two thirty, two forty. I reckon. You I watch. noticed there was one at that um, that private track day that um, just happened at Auto House um, in the videos that they took. Oh, okay. Um, there was a GTS there. Sounded good. Sounded really good. Okay, so we're not going to talk about GTSs this this episode, but we will do. We are going to do an episode on it. Um, we are going to do an episode on it, uh, or one or two episodes on it. Actually, I, w- I want to do maybe a couple of episodes on the GTS because I know it's quite a popular model and people are attracted to it, Steve. And you know, like I said, Barry's got a nine nine one point one GTS. It looks fantastic. Um, he's really happy with it. Um, maybe at one stage I can talk to him about his GTS. That would probably be a, a nice thing to do if he's interested. I'm not yep. sure if he is, but that would be a great thing to do. And I know that Nick, like I said, Nick's starting to look at GTS. So I kind of like look at them every now and again. But I noticed on car sales in Australia, Auto Trader there's, in the UK, there's, there's, quite, there's a few available. Um, I think they're mainly PDK, but I think there were manuals, right, in the 991.1 GTS. There were manuals available in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, but it, I don't know. If I was looking for a 991, it depends on the price. And it seems like there's a big price difference between a, a, a 991.1 Carrera S and a GTS. And I had this conversation with Andrew on the next owner stories that's coming up next Tuesday. Um, he hmm. said it was about fifty to $20,000 US price differential between an S and a GTS, right. which is probably about 40000 Australian dollars. And I know when you look for a GTS in Australia, they're very hard to come by. There's not many for sale. I think there's a there's a new ver- there's I noticed there was a new one up, uh, with a turbo version, but you'd want the nine nine one point one. I think there's a red one that Auto House has had for a bit, and mm-hmm. I don't think there's many others. It, it, there's like three or four cars maximum. So they're they're either people are holding on to them or not many people bought them. I'm not sure what it is in Oz. Yeah, interesting. Do you know? 
<laughs> no, I don't. I do not know as to why. Like, and it's funny because the GTS sort of um, model, it started with a 997, then all of a sudden it did quite well. And then, you know, like with every car, including McCann's, Panamera's, Cans, etc., there's a GTS model. And mm-hmm. every time they release one, you know, like when you read all the kind of journo stuff, it's either really, really good or it's a slightly cynical marketing exercise. Generally, it's really, really good. But um, I remember looking at it when um, when we got um, my wife's McCann and I was sort of thinking, oh, yeah, GTS would be cool. And very oddly, it was way more expensive than the turbo. Yeah, you said that. It, it holds its prices better. I wonder if that's a worldwide um, trend or not, that the, the prices of the turbo were less than the GTS. Yeah, I found that really, really, really strange. Like I would have loved a GTS, and in a in a McCann, it's kind of got um, a couple of little specs in the suspension and the yeah. aesthetics, which, in my opinion, are desirable. So I would have loved to kind of get one, but I'm I wasn't going to pay like twenty grand more for that tiny little kind of thing. So. Yeah, the in, the interior of the GTS is nice. I think the problem with the and I'm not saying this is a problem. I don't, you know. I have to be careful because I'm not trying to upset people and I don't have a problem with the GTS. It just hasn't, no, but it hasn't been on my radar, but it's kind of getting on my radar, Stephen. I know you're probably not going to be happy when you hear that, but I kind of thinking, oh, maybe I could get a GTS, you know, but you know, the Mm. thing I have a problem with the GTS, I have a problem with Porsche doing that thing where they have actually put the GTS variant on Macan's, on Cayenne's, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why they just didn't keep it for the 911, like just keep the GTS as... It's a 911 and it's a 911 911 Carrera GTS and then they have something else for the Macans and the yep. and the Cayans. Yep. I kind of wish they would have done that. I know why they didn't do it, but I you know because they they're trying to make the make the the SUVs look sportier and appear sportier than what they are and have that heritage yep. of Porsche's racing history. But you know GTS is so embedded into Porsche's history and it's you know the 904 GTS and the Carrera GTS and you know, all those car, those famous cars, and then they put it on the SUV. Um, no offense to people who own these cars, but I kind of wish they didn't, hadn't done that. Yeah, they've done it with lots of things, though. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, so, anyway, that, that was just, <laughs> that was actually an update for the Patreon, believe it or not, but we went off track. Um, but, yeah, so you just go to, you just go to Patreon, uh, you search Porsche Cooled, or it's basically just patreon.com uh, slash Porsche Cooled. And you can join there and, and help us out, help us help the podcast out, help us get new equipment, which we still haven't bought. Um, luckily, because it's not in stock anyway, the things I want to get. So, but when they come in stock, I'll buy them. So, and also don't miss Craig's episode, like I said, of, of Porsche Good Owner Stories is a good one, which came up uh, yesterday, came up on Tuesday. It's Thursday, actually. So it came up. And what, when's this podcast going live, Steve? Friday. This is Friday. Friday. There is a previous episode, which is the one, uh, the Porsche Good Owner Stories with Craig. It's a good one. And I love seeing people when they've bought, hearing people's story with Steve when they buy their first 911. Do you know what I mean? Because it is, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it is special, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Craig's got a good story as well. I just want to ask you, though, about the, um, those images that, that we both saw, uh, and I sent you mm-hmm. and you'd already seen it, of the Porsche with the funny white um, guard stuck on going around the Nürburgring. Oh, and Safari, people, I saw the same article. Yeah, so people are saying that Porsche has decided to do a safari, safari version of the 992 to try and get into this safari trend which is happening when people are using, um, I forget the guy's name, the guy that Matt Farry used in the US, Lee. Lee Keen. Lee Keen, yeah. To Lee do Keen, yep. Yeah, so people are trying to get onto that trend of, I mean, Lee Keen being the master of the safari, I think I think you have to say he's one of the best ones. And that build, I remember mm, Matt Farry saying. He didn't invent it. 
No, he didn't invent it, but he he's doing. It, but yeah. he does do a good job of it. Um, yeah. But I remember Matt Farris saying it was like have a hundred thousand US to do that. That's how much it costs to do um, the the transformation of your your Carrera, yeah. your air cool Carrera into that. So what do you think about that? What do you think about Porsche bringing out a Safari 911? No idea. It's just like, um, I guess they've done it. They've done it like year after year, or, or generation after generation, where it's amazing that you've kind of got one car, a 911, and then you've managed to spin out this like X number of kind of variants. Like I can't remember what the number was, but I think they're up to sort of like 20 something kind of variants of the one car. Like imagine if you had 20 variants of a Toyota Corolla, that's kind of insane. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, Porsche have like a magical kind of way where they can sort of find a niche for each kind of model. Um, Safari is different, right? So it, it's just more that um, I think when we were chatting about it on text, um, it, it's probably just more that um, I know when you listen to Matt Farah talking about his um, his Lee Keen Safari, he sort of says that it's the perfect everyday kind of car for yeah. kind of getting around in um, LA where he lives. But I'd imagine um, for the rest of us, um, it's probably a great everyday car. But surely that the that car is so niche that if um, you would have you'd have to have like a couple of other Porsches in your garage or Absolutely. many, many other kind of cars in your garage before you start kind of stumping up, you know, whatever the premium is going to be for a Safari. Like um, that's such a such a specific kind of thing. Um, like it's got a great story, great heritage, all of that sort of thing. And I don't know, like maybe if I kind of jumped in one, I'd go, oh, hell, like why would why are you driving around in a McCann as an everyday car? Like you, well, this is what you know, I'm thinking. Much better off in a 911 Safari. But, yeah, um, is that what they're trying to do? They're trying to get you know, say, the husband. You know, the wife's got a McCann Turbo, for example, and they're trying to get yeah. the husband to think, hey, maybe we can get a 911 that's okay for the family. But you're not going to have the room in the back, so it's not really a family car. You know what I mean? It's still it's still a 911. Yeah, I don't know. You can't change the shape inside. But have Porsche, no and I don't know surely, if you... Sorry, sure, surely it's as niche as sort of like, you know, Targa's kind of thing. Like the Targa's an amazing looking car. It harks back to its heritage, blah, blah, blah. Um, arguably there's sort of like a more obvious kind of use case for it, um, whereas a Safari, like how many people are going to go and buy a Safari and actually take it off-road? Yeah, True. I mean, for the listeners who haven't seen this image, just just go onto Instagram and just do a search for it. It should come up. I mean, it's been over a lot of different sites now. It's been all over the place. But basically, it's a mm. it's testing on the Nurburgring. Ring. It's got white sort of guards on the on the wheel arches. The first thing I thought about actually, the first thing I thought about actually is one: Has Porsche ever done a production version Safari Nine Eleven? I don't think so. Have they? I think so. No. So in that respect, I think they're. It could be a really clever decision. It could be a really clever direction for them to do it because one, you can see people would be interested in it. You know, there is a bit of hype about Safari 911s. Then there's the people who don't like the idea that you're destroying a air-cooled masterpiece, an air-cooled, you know, Carrera, and getting rid of an 89 or 88 Carrera that's got the perfect gearbox and and then changing it into the mm. Safari when you know it should remain as a classic. It should remain an original. There's there's that camp as well. Um, obviously, Matt Farah from Smoking Tire is not in that camp because he changed his over. Um, and it's then, got massive heritage, though, as a rally car. Like, um, 
Porsche's and got um, huge kind there's of... There's Tutul, Tutul, isn't it? Tutul, Tutul in the Tutul, UK. Yeah. Tutul, yeah. Um, but Porsches have got um, massive provenance and heritage in rallying, um, you know, Paris-Dakar and um, all of that sort of stuff. So that's where it all kind of comes from. Yeah, true. Um, but, you know, I don't ob- know. obviously rallying, they're going to... Rallying is a different sort of uh, kind of thing these days. So... I guess if they were entering it in WRC, which they're obviously not because it doesn't fit that formula, but I don't know. It's just, it, it's it's kind of weird, nichey. Even Roof, you know, Roof kind of released the, that um, show car um, yeah. sort of safari concept as well, which was kind of interesting, bit Mad Max-ish meets Polo Ralph Lauren. <laughs> I think, yeah, true. I think the Safari, though, it'll be like the Porsche exclusive manufacturer kind of thing. It'll be like the Targa Heritage. Mm. I think it'll be. I think because when that guy was talking, when I when I listened to that thing that he did with Magnus Walker, he said there's lots mm. of more. You know, they had all the mood boards and things that were coming up, and and you know, there's there's obviously different variants coming up like that Targa Heritage, which I, I'm not a big fan of. I don't think the Targa. I don't like it personally. I can see what they're doing, but yeah, I don't same. like it. But maybe that's where the Safari fits in. It is that Porsche exclusive manufacturer. You know what I mean? So it is a Carrera 4. Could it's a modified Carrera 4. Um, could be. When you read sort of about like other marks in um, like Aston and Lotus and all of that sort of stuff and, uh, and McLaren, a lot of kind of brands are starting to come, um, have hit, get a lot of flack for um, releasing what seemingly are kind of lots of special editions, but they're not really kind of limited. They're not really that special, yeah. you know, like it's seen as a bit of a marketing exercise. It, it happens in all luxury brands. It's not just cars like watches, handbags, all of that sort of stuff as well. Um, but if Porsche... Know, hopefully it's not that. Yeah, but Steve, if Porsche do that, if they do bring out the Safari, mm. they've mm. got the market because there's no one else doing it. Yeah, true. You know what true. I mean? So if you think about it, there's a market segment... There's a gap. We're gonna we're gonna start it again, and we're gonna fill it, and no one's gonna be able to compete with us for a while, and we'll we'll have it sewn up. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, I guess that's what they're they're planning to do. Be interesting to see what happens though in the next, because this will be the nine nine two point two version when it comes out. I guess I'm guessing it's in this in this um, generation. Um, the other yeah, thing too. I mean, yeah, go on. So sorry, we keep talking over top of each other. Um, uh, when you listen to Matt Farrell, like I remember when he first kind of got his delivered and everything. I sort of thought, oh, what the fuck's he done? And then you listen to him explain why it's so good in terms of kind of rolling around like, you know, um, what I'm assuming is like City of LA kind of thing and why it makes sense because it's still got the character but the pumped up ride means you're not kind of scraping speed humps, it's still comfortable, all of that sort of things. Plus then you don't have to kind of drive, it's too quick to kind of get some of the amazing kind of 911 tra- handling traits. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and like, obviously he's a lot cluier when it comes to cars than I am. It's like, well, that makes sense. So again, like, you know, if they release the thing and um, it's actually like an amazing everyday kind of car, given that everyone else is driving around in SUVs and you're driving around in a safari, maybe it is like stroke of genius. I I think it could be, you know, it could be pretty cool. It could be pretty, Mm. pretty cool. Actually, when you think about what they do, you think about a full on blacked out one with the big, if it's got different type of tires on it as well, (laughs) Porsche develop, Porsche develop a a special safari tire with Michelin or something. It's got this novelty tire on it, you know, the aesthetic of it isn't really (laughs) my cup of tea, I suppose. Like it is a bit kind of Mad Max ish to me and like the, 
the design aesthetic of 911s, I kind of prefer um, the sort of more classic looking type things. But yeah. speaking of um, speaking of new designs, let's just talk briefly. <laughs> we're going to get onto the topic we're going to talk about today, but um, <laughs> just let's just talk about um, the GT3 that's been undergoing testing um, on the ring as well. Mm. I'm guessing these shots we're starting to see of that car because it's got less uh, camo on it. Um, it's yep. almost like because I think it's January, right? They're going to launch it in January. I think it's the beginning of next year. I don't know. I can't remember. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's the beginning of next year. It's going to be launched for sale at the end of the year or towards, you know, September, the end of the year. The wheels, the one that you sent me through and the picture, which I hadn't seen. Um, uh, I, on the on the black and the blue car? Yeah. There's a Riviera-ish blue and then there's a black um, sort of test mule. They both, I think they both had the same set of wheels on it. Did they? I oh, I thought... So. Oh, I didn't know they had the same wheels. But you didn't like those wheels, right? No, I'm not a big fan. But I'm just wondering, you know, people, I don't think people still even understand whether the one they've been testing, because it's got that huge swan neck spoiler, you know, to give up optimal yep. downforce, whether or not that's a GT3 or a GT3 RS. I know that I was listening to some podcasts, probably Spike or Farah, um, yep. and the person that was on it who was a Porsche mechanic, I think, could have been TLG auto guy. Um, he said oh, yes, that he yep. thinks it's a GT3 RS due to yes. the size of the wing. Yes. But the latest spy shots, that wing looked didn't look as tall and um, from the, the back shot, it didn't look as um, wide to me, it didn't look as over the top. Ah, uh, okay. You think they've, it's getting more to be the final version or you think it's another getting variant? Getting closer, yeah. It's I don't getting... know. Oh, I don't know. Looked... It looked. It didn't look as kind of um, crazy, sort of you know, RSR motorsport-ish to me. Like it looked like it wasn't quite as big. Um, but it might be that also because I've just done a quick Google search on it. Okay. That it's, you know, like when they kind of clad the um, the test mule with more and more stuff just to kind of try to throw you off the seat. Yeah, I know. You know. Maybe you know they've what's kind going of taken on. more bits off it. So. Hey, maybe the maybe the Safari is part of the new GT one of the GT three lines. So it's going to be GT three, GT three Club Sport, GT three Touring, and GT three Safari. GT three GT three Safari sounds cool, huh? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of the GT three, how's your GT three, Steve? Uh, yeah, pretty good. Um, I haven't. Um, no, no news, no updates. Um, I've had a busy week, so uh, I. Drove it a little bit, but um, I was kind of running around in Cindy's car more because oh, she's also been sick, so just um, doing chores and that thing. Right, because I was talking um, exhaust with um, Andrew, who's coming up in the next week uh, next week's Porsche mm -hmm. Cool Stories. Um, yep, Andrew from Nine Eleven South. Actually, I'll tell people who it is. It's Andrew from Nine Eleven <laughs> South. Um, so keep me secrets, but, aren't you? Yeah, but he. Um, <laughs> Just in case he's listening to this, I should just say who it is now. I mean, this comes on Friday. So it'd be the only story on Tuesday. Um, but I was talking to him about exhaust mm. because he's actually going down a similar route to um, what James has done. He's actually using, he's going to do the sole performance and he's going to do videos of it as well. But he's doing yeah. it slightly different to James. So there's an interesting conversation about that on the owner's stories that um, when it's up, people should uh, should listen to. It's good to yeah. hear a different differing view about sole performance and i'm not i never i'm not bagging sole performance exhaust it's just that i don't understand them and i keep saying this i don't understand them to me they're not porsche enough they don't sound porsche enough 
That's just my mm. opinion. So Andrew's got a good take on it, and yeah, so it's it's actually quite good what he what he has to say about it. I've never heard. I don't think I've heard a soul um, soul exhaust in person. So I think it's just really hard to kind of judge off um, YouTube kind of clips. True. True. Um, so apart from the GTS, Steve, um, there's a, mm. there's a couple of models that we haven't really spoken about a lot on the podcast and people keep saying to me, when are we going to start talking about them? GTS being one. And then I've had a couple of people, mm. I shouldn't say a lot. I've just said a couple actually about the turbo. <laughs> yep. Now the thing is I have actually spoken about the turbo before, and that was way back when I first started the podcast before you would, you joined it. And I think it was yep. something to do with about, would I buy a turbo or would I buy a GT3 and a 996? Mm. And coming back to that in a second i mean the turbo we haven't really ignored but and there's no reason why we haven't really spoken about it is there steve it's just that i personally don't no. know a lot about them i probably know about the 996 gt3 because i did look at buying one and i was looking at ones turbo. for sale huh turbo you mean you just said turbo GT3. sorry sorry turbo 996 turbo yep. sorry not making sense yep. um 996 turbo i was actually looking at buying one before i bought my 997 probably about a year before yep. I was looking at them when I thought I could get into a 911 then. Um, so I know a bit more about those and that's why I did that early podcast on it. But I don't really know much about air-cooled, 911, air-cooled turbos. You probably have a little bit more knowledge of it because, you know, um, the 993 turbo is, you know, is a really nice one to buy and then the 964. Yep. I'd probably go the 993 if I was going in air-cooled. Yep. So maybe you can talk a bit about that and the reason why you never went into a turbo. Um, when it comes to the yeah. 991 and 992, though, I really don't know that much about it. Like, I'm I'm intrigued by the 992. We'll get onto this, but I'm intrigued by the Turbo S in the 992. But I don't yeah. know whether that's the power you want to have every day. You know what I mean? So let's go back. Yeah. I mean, have you ever thought about buying a Turbo um, 911? Um, no, I don't think I actually ever have because... As everyone knows, I started with a 964. It was the cheapest thing I could kind of get into at the time. I, in my mind, made the upgrade to a 993. Um, so, but in both those times, anything like any 911 turbo would have been kind of, you know, pretty expensive. Then in my time, when I was, when I was physically in the 993 and then they sort of were all the rage and they became even more all the rage, 993 turbos went mental in terms of the value of them. I mean, yeah. I don't know what one is worth now, but there was a time I remember where, oh, I don't know, like a 993 turbo was maybe 160, and God knows what they're worth now. Like, I think they're, what, aren't two, they three? 350? Yeah. Um, when Something I bought, like that. When I bought my 997 Carrera from a place in Sydney, hmm. he had one for 399. Okay. So, but I think they've dropped. Um, I think they've dropped. But he had a low mileage right. example for three nine nine. Yeah, and um, which he'd bought from Order House. Which he'd bought from Order right. House. So I've been in a nine nine three. I've not been driven in a nine nine three turbo. Um, uh, somebody who I did some some work for um, through Order House um, uh, had a nine nine three turbo and kindly let me kind of look through his car when I was wanting to have um, my car retrimmed and he had factory leather so. Okay. I went through his car and took um, pickies of it um, just as reference to kind of give to my trimmer and everything. Um, yeah. uh, beautiful and beautiful thing to kind of look at, but it was never it was never in the equation for me because they're just kind of way too dear. And then when I got to the point of kind of going, get rid of the 993, 
get into something else, slightly different kind of conversation. Like I kind of arrived at the fact that um, the only thing that could kind of give me um, the experience that I was after was going to be a GT car. Um, at that point, that that's sort of how I got to that. So I never really kind of considered like 996 Turbo or 997 Turbo. Um, I know my uncle actually suggested it to me um, a couple of times, but... Um, so I'm rambling a little bit, but let me go back to a slightly different reference point. The, yep. So the mate that I was talking about on the last couple of podcasts who yep. had a 964 ages ago, got out of it, is now on the hunt for a 911. Um, he went back to the dealer um, the weekend just gone and jumped in his 996 Turbo. Yep. Um, and manual? took it for a test drive. Manual? Yeah, manual. Manual, okay. yeah. Um, I remember, so it was a silver, silver with a black or blue interior manual. It had a Gimbala um, exhaust on it because when I was there with, with them on um, the first visit, um, we got him to turn it over and it sounded pretty good. Um, so my mate sent me a text because he went back, had a drive and said something along the lines of amazing performance, yeah. um, but it just didn't kind of, he sort of said it didn't feel... Um, as Porsches, like what he could sort of remember of like his air-cooled experience. So it wasn't for him. So his um, reference point is the 964, right? And his reference point yeah. is also his father has a 356, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So and that's his reference point. Yeah, and I suspect that if I had gone from 964 to 993, I would probably feel the same way because I was always worried that... Um, it would not be orally like interesting enough. Yeah. Um, and because it's sort of more like a GT cruiser type thing, you know, good for kind of smashing autobahns and yeah, all of that sort of stuff. Given like you think you, you, you look at what I've done to my GT3, even I've made it louder. Yeah. Um, and made it kind of tighter in the gear shift and all of that sort of stuff. Well, um, the concept of something that's um fast, very powerful, very grippy, but cruisier and possibly not detached, that's probably a bit harsh, but yeah. different sort of experience um, is not going to be right for me. So that's sort of why I never went that way. Right. It kind of does come back to this speed versus experience thing again though, right? And it's a different sort of way of looking at it. It's like the turbo is, if not more powerful now than you know the turbo, turbo S's they're bringing out are so much more powerful mm. than the other cars. But then the experience mm. of them, they're just, do you really need that much power? And then the actual experience when you're in the car, is it enjoyable? Which it appears from people even talking about the 992s is that, yeah, it's a great looking car. It's well made. It's, you know, all of that sort of thing. But it's not mm. that much, you know, it's just a Turbo S. What's it like? It's like a Turbo S, you know what I mean? It's not that exciting. Yeah. It's not, I don't know, you can, you can start to kind of get into a bit of a funny conversation because like most cars these days are turbo turbocharged but like different type of turbocharging in terms of to the point where you kind of almost can't tell um you know um so um sorry i lost my train of thought that's all right Help me i mean my see my experience is that and i guess i was thinking about the prices of this and i think that the price is probably about the same when i was looking at the 996 turbo um, and you mm. would remember this. And I was looking at the 996 yeah. Turbo, and I apologize to people who have heard this story before. You know, they were about 80,000. 80, 80, actually, there was some for less. They were about 70,000 to 90,000 Australian dollars. 
And when yep. I was looking, I was looking at the ones with really low kilometers and I'm talking only 38,000 odd kilometers, I think both of these cars right. had. And they yep. were about... <clears throat> They were about 90, 80, like I said, 88, 89,000. Um, yep. And I was attracted to it because you told me it had, you know, similar engine, had the Metzger engine. The Metzger. Um, yep. I like the body, the body. I like the air ducting. I like the, the shape of it. I'm not a big yep. fan of the 996 interior. You know, it's still the 996 interior is a 996 interior. Obviously, it was yep. still improved when it went to 997. And it was really, yep. really appealing because of that and because of the future value. You know, looking at 993s at the time, I couldn't afford a 993. I couldn't afford a 964. So what about a turbo? And, of course, I didn't buy one. Um, and this was after that I'd been looking at GT3s, remember, Steve? I'd been looking at GT3s mm -hmm. probably two years before that. And it sounds like I've been yeah, – I, yeah. I take a long time to make up my mind. And the GT3s, <laughs> at, and the GT3s at that point were about – like I keep saying, I found one for 90, 95, you know, low-kilometer yep. ones – Seal Grey, which was, I think, the only Seal Grey one in Australia that was for sale in Byron at the time. <laughs> so then those prices jumped really quickly, right? This is when the GT3 prices yep. jumped. And then the, 99, then the 996 Turbo was like, oh, this, maybe this is good. It's got the Metzger. It's going to have that yep. experience. I don't think now, looking back at it, if I would have bought a Turbo, and the thing is, I wouldn't probably buy a 996 Turbo now because the good ones, as you know, they're, they're 165. There are high mileage yep. versions at about 100, but the ones with the low kilometers now are about 165. Now, to give the yep. listeners some, some reference point, 165 is about, well, some, some GT3996s are about that price. So it's hard yep. for me to work out what's going on in the market because the 996 Turbo now seems to have almost matched the price of the GT3 in the 996. Which but is, the, but it's the always GT, been like that though, hasn't it? Has it? But the like, GT3 is so, so much more collectible in my mind. It's still going to be more collectible and more of a driving experience, the 996 GT3, whether a Mark One or Mark II, than a turbo, which is what your friend experienced when he took that turbo out. Yeah. In terms of, like, price, don't forget, like, before there was such a thing as a GT3, turbo was the sort of pinnacle of a 911. Yes. So, you know, like, even if you're just kind of going for, you know, badge snobbery kind of thing, kind of getting the top of the range 911 would mean kind of going and getting a turbo. But that's um, why the 993s and 964s command such a high price, right? Because they come from that era where that's, that was the pinnacle of the range. That was the car. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I, I know what you're sort of saying. Um, yeah, look, I guess it's just that, like, for me and probably you kind of thing, if you're talking, like you just sort of said, at, like, 165, would you get a 996 Turbo or would you get a 996 GT3? Like I know which I'd get, GT3, like hands down. But yeah. if if you kind of switch the question out and you sort of said to me, hey, um, if they were sort of similar money or if I had to kind of pay just a small premium between like a, a Carrera S versus a Turbo, which would you kind of get? It's like, oh, I think I'd get like, you know, a Turbo, a turbo with a Metzger, like a 996 or a 997 Turbo. And this is what I said to my mate when he kind of, you know, buzzed me a couple of weeks ago. It's like, oh, yeah, um, if you can live with a nine, uh, 996 interior, like, go for the Turbo, man. Like, that's such good kind of value in terms of what you're kind of getting, the provenance of the the engine, the quality, blah, blah, blah. If you can live with the, the aesthetics in the interior, um, it's pretty good buying. 165 is at the high end. Like, I think there are ones that are um, less than that. Yeah, and yeah. To me, that's kind of pretty good, but that's me having said that in terms of having never driven one. Now, 
my mate, like refer back to him, he's probably arrived at the opinion that I probably, I think that I would kind of have, which is it's probably just a bit too sort of soft and quiet for me. Like I want the car to sort of be like an occasion car. Yep. Um, you know, if I had the occasion car, like a GT3 or a kind of really cool Larry Old thing with lots of noise and rawness and all that sort of stuff, but then alongside that I had a turbo, which was more like my everyday car, then like absolutely I'd rather have that than a standard Carrera. And I think that's where it fits in. I think you, you're spot on there. Mm. I think especially with the 991s, 992s, maybe even 997, like if you have if you have the GT3, you have the GT car and you want, I, I guess more so the 991 and 992 variant, the generations, right? Um, if you want a car like a daily driver that's a comfortable, fast, you know, luxury mm. daily driver as a 911, I think that's where the turbo fits. Um, and I always yeah. say that in the in UK, the Turbo S is like in, in wealthy areas in the UK when you walk around Mayfair, there's, there are a dime a dozen there everywhere. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd actually say that too. Like when um, probably a little while ago, but when I did, um, you know, have a, have a job in an office in an agency kind of thing and I was driving every day to kind of get to work, um, you know, like when you're kind of crossing the Sydney Harbour Bridge and stuff like that, if you're going to see um, – 911s driving around at the same time, like kind of um, slogging it out in traffic, a lot of them would be turbos. And yeah. I'm assuming that's obviously kind of like the, you know, very affluent people in, you know, high up jobs that can afford it. So it's like, yeah, well, if you're going to get stuck in traffic, you may as well kind of drive something, you know, super cool. Yeah. That kind of, that's where it fits. I mean, the price of it, yeah. you know, the, the finish of it, the full leather interior that they all have and all that, you know, everything that's standard, it's, it's, it's meant for that sort of market, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, would I buy, you know, I look at 997 turbos. I mean, I do look yep. at them when they come up for sale, manual, because they do come in manual. Um, the yep. price, I think it is what you just said then. The price of the 997 turbo is too close to a GT3. I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I'd buy the GT3. Um, yep. I guess if a 996 turbo and occasionally they come up under 100,000, if you had another 911, maybe you would buy the turbo. Yep. I still want that experience like you talk about i still want that experience it doesn't necessarily have to be super fast and i keep coming back to the 912 here to justify it because a lot of people say why would you want that 912 but it i know it's not fast but it's there's no sound deadening hardly at all you know it's got a small motor but it's really light you watch driving videos of it it still drives it's quite spirited the way it drives even though it is slow so it still comes back it's not just about the power it's about that experience and that rawness and i think for me, it's still going back to, you know, a classic or a over a turbo, I mean, a classic or even just a 964 Carrera, you know, or a 993 Carrera. Apparently 993 yeah, Carreras course, yeah. are more reliable than a turbo. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think I'd look yeah. there before a turbo. And if it was in the 991, after, you know, people talking to me, I think after, in the 991, I think, you know, I don't know, turbos are quite expensive. And maybe the GTS is still a better option than a turbo in a 991. Maybe it is a GTS or the GT3. It's not the turbo. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, It's a hard one. It's a very, I mean, this is a problem when Porsche have so many variants, right? It's confusing for people when they come in. You know what I mean? And also, I think also because then you kind of throw into that equation, like with the, you know, present day cars that um, all all Carreras are turbos. um, Yeah, true. All cars. And not not just in terms of um, the physical kind of mechanics or engineering of it, but like the experience now, because 
they all have like tons of low down torque. Yep. So like when you're in traffic, you know, um, it's very different from a naturally aspirated motor. Like um, it's not bad. It's just different. Like I do remember I hadn't been, I hadn't, sorry. So back in the day I had a WRX and then heaps of cars after that in my car ownership were all non, non-turbos and I hadn't driven a turbo car in quite some time until I got into my 1M. And um, remember going on a long drive in the 1M and sort of realizing like how much how much power that thing had um, yeah. on the freeway. Like in a naturally aspirated car, you'd have to kick down a couple of gears. In the 1M, all you have to do is kind of flex your right foot, and you can just basically fly past everybody. And similar experience in the McCann Turbo, and I'm assuming um, it would be a very similar experience in you know like basically any 911 Turbo, and that's that that's kind of really thrilling and really exciting in its own kind of right. Um, yeah. It's just that you can't you can't do that much in Australia. You can't kind of get that sort of quick, cheap thrill because unless you sort of, you know, you live up the central coast or the south coast and you're driving into, you know, Sydney CBD every day or something mm, like that, mm. um, you're just not going to get the opportunities to kind of get that sort of little buzz like that, I don't think. It's a tricky one for Porsche though, wasn't it? I mean changing from naturally aspirated in the 991.2 to turbo, you know, mm. you really have to make the turbo and turbo S variants really special. You know what I mean? And Which they, they, it sounds like they've tried to do that with the, the, the newest one. Yeah, the 992. They recognised that it needed to be more of a driver-oriented kind of thing. Yeah, you're right. As opposed to sort of like a plush kind of cruise mobile sort of thing. Yeah, they've really pushed it, haven't they? They've really pushed it. Yeah. They push the price up. They make it, you know, it's your thing about, you know, charge people more and then they'll think it's more, it'll, it's better, you know, so they've yeah. <laughs> charged them. They charge yeah. them a fortune for that car and it's more powerful and it's more luxurious and because they've got to really differentiate it from all the other turbos that they now make, you know what I mean? Which they don't really call turbos, but they're turbos. So Yeah, it's, because it's not differentiated. Like, you know, go the other way too, and you go go back to the sort of air cooled ones. Like the turbo was always more powerful. It became four wheel drive because it had so much power. Yep. It had the really fat kind of ass because it had the kind of um, flared kind of guards and the wider track because yep. it had so much power. Um, you know, like, and then it was super well equipped on the inside. So, like, go back to the um, the dealer Alex Holland, who I kind of went to visit with the mate. He had um, two, two. What were they? Eighties, eighties turbos, a Martini turbo, and another one in um, sort of like a champagne kind of gold color. Right, right. They look cool as all fuck. Like they're so, they look amazing. So they're they, so they're iconic though. cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're your kind of classic sort of pinup sort of supercar type yeah. thing. And I completely understand. Again, if you're um, into not just Porsches, but any sort of, um, if you're into your kind of sports cars and you're of our age sort of thing, like, um, you know, just in terms of the look of it is amazing. And I'm sure to kind of drive it is an experience and a half, like probably very, very different. But again, I think this would be something where it's sort of like, you know, you're adding like multiple kind of cars to your garage, whereas if if it was your only car. Yeah, true. Um, as your kind of daily, then different sort of conversation again. But. Yeah, no, the '80s turbo is definitely a part of the one of the cars you want in your collection. I mean, I think that the going back to the 996, I think mm. the appeal of the 996 turbo is the Metzger engine. 
Um, it was yeah. a pretty faultless type of engine, right? It was a very reliable engine. Um, yeah, it still is. And, yep. and it still is. And I think that's out of the 996, 997, I think I'd probably still say mm, I like the idea of the 996 because it's got that Metzger engine. Did the 997 have Metzger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the it did. 997.1 and 0.1 and a half has a Metzger. And then when they went to from the 3.6 to the 3.8 and it went um, DFI, direct fuel injection, the same that the 0.2s did, um, it was a non-Metzger, I think. Yeah, um, so I think, you know, value-wise, you're never going to lose money on those on those cars. Um, but it's interesting, I read the, the stats earlier today when I was just looking at this. The 997, um, the 997 Metzger engine in the, in the turbo engine was 480 horsepower, right? Yeah, it's and it's quick. And it's 600, the, the turbo now, the turbo S911 has 640 horsepower. Yeah, no, which is like stupid. Like it's crazy, right? I mean, I had a I, another little kind of story was that um, back in the day when I were when I had my nine nine three, I got invited out to um, just sort of have a little look. I was helping um, the rally car team at Auto House. Um, they were sort of I helped do the um, design the livery for the rally car. Yep. a couple of the rally cars there, and they were shaking down. Um, they were shaking down the car, so they had hired out Wakefield, um, the Wakefield track down in Goulburn um, for a day. So they invited me to kind of go down and sort of, you know, like if I wanted to put my car on the track or just whatever, just kind of uh, come and enjoy the day with them. So I went down. Um, to At the time, I was too kind of gutless to actually go and stick my car on the track. But um, I got a ride in um, Jeff's 997 GT2. Oh, okay. Wow. And that thing is so quick, <laughs> like stupid quick. Um, and, but like around a track, it, the sort of sensation of speed is kind of masked quite a bit. But I remember um, I couldn't believe how fast that thing kind of felt and how punchy. I obviously didn't drive it. Point one, um, was it? His car, the black one with um, ceramics, the other little kind of anecdote from that was he jumped in that like in between sort of shaking down his rally car. He took me for, oh, it must have been about, Wakefield's a very short kind of circuit. So right. he must have maybe taken me for six consecutive laps in his GT2 and it had um, carbon ceramic brakes on okay. it. Just jumped in it, drove around in it. Um, he's driven me around a couple of times in different cars and then um, <laughs> got out and Grant was sort of saying to him, hey, Jeff, your brakes are smoking. Like he'd sort of gone that hard in it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I was sort of thinking, shit. I mean, they were they were early generation um, ceramics, but, um, yeah, like that, that car was like amazing back then. I mean, I'm sure it's amazing right now still. You still look at 997 GT2s for sale, don't you? You still, you still get tempted by Just them. Just for fun. Bit. Just for fun? Uh, yeah, just for fun. Just for fun. But if someone's looking at a GT car, you would still say go the GT3 over the GT2, right? GT2 still commands a higher price in a 997. Would you say GT3 no, or GT2? I still send them to you. I still send them yeah, to no, you. Yeah, like, no, but they're 400. Because you're on 400, the coast. They're 400,000 Australian dollars for people who are listening. 350 to 400,000 Australian dollars for a GT2 997. Yeah, because they seem to me, like if you look at how the prices spiked so badly, like the GT3's become, you know, this thing all of a sudden. Um, not all of a sudden, but it's become this kind of very sought-after thing. 
Um, by rights, like they made less GT2s, so True. they're probably more special. Um, not that you're buying it for like investment purposes, but um, like they're amazing cars. They look really cool, you know. Like all the all the things that you love about a GT3 um, is there in spades. The nice aero, might nice back. Yeah, bumper. the thing that it might lack is um, the noise. I don't know. I I can't quite remember what Jeff's. Um, sounded like but i don't think it would sound as kind of rorty um because most turbo cars mm. don't sound as good but then does it sound bad like i doubt it because like you know if they can make a the current the current generation turbo cars like you know um my uncle's got a c63 with turbos that sounds great my 1m with turbos sounded great um you know so I don't think you'd be disappointed with a GT2, put it that way. No. And the bargain of the GT2 was the 996. They were, yeah. no one wanted them. And there, there was one that sold in Australia not that long ago for like 230000 Australian yeah, exactly. dollars, which is absolute bargain for that car because it's a fantastic car. Apparently you'll die in it. Yeah, and you, won't be able it to, you won't be able to control it. <laughs> You'll be in. you be in the grass. You'll be in the grass after like all, yeah, all those much. all those reviews of that nine nine six GT two when it came out. Like, yeah. people were losing control of it, weren't they? They couldn't handle it. There's yeah. like videos on YouTube where the, even good drivers were just saying this. It's just not an easy car to drive. But when you read up further too, they kind of said, well, you can. The factory's sort of geometry setting was a particular kind of thing which you can sort of change and you can sort of make it um, less kind of less wild. And then also tyre technology is sort of um, apparently sort of fixed it as well. So Just don't drive it in the rain. I think you should get one, mate. Get a GT2. They're nice. The 997 GT2 is nice. Sometimes they look a little bit conservative, though, the way they've been specced, like they've been specced by old people or something. I don't know. Because uh, the interiors always sort of seem a little bit more luxurious. Remember, I, I yeah. sent you some pictures of the steering wheels because... Um, they're wrapped in Alcantara. And yeah, it's the actually, triangle. A lot of them are the triangle one mm. rather than the sort of circular. Which I thought was odd that there. a GT2 would have the triangle wheel. I thought it would have the sports wheel. I don't know. I think, is that because it's got um, it's got the multifunction? That's weird too. Why would you want a multifunction steering wheel in a GT2? See, this is the thing about the turbo, right? This is the market they push it towards. Even the GT2, they're yeah. kind of still pushing it to that that market, aren't they? Yeah. You know, and not many yeah, people, not everyone so. had the um, bucket seats in it either. They come with just the normal, you know, not normal, but the other seats, the more comfort type seats. Well, I, sorry, it was a point that I was going to make before. Like, uh, I kind of constantly talk about GT3s, but it maybe it's because like back in 2008 when, you know, my car was brand new. Mm. Um, remember that story I told you about my, my uncle, which is, the GT3 was really kind of designed for um, track track oh, guys. Oh, yes, yes. Like, you know, it wasn't really sort of like an everyday guy wanting to kind of get the ultimate sort of Porsche. Yeah. It really was people that truly kind of, you know, tracked their cars. So, like, when you've got a Porsche dealer sort of saying to somebody like my uncle or, you know, sir, like, a GT3 is not really for you. Like, you really should be kind of getting yourself into a turbo. That That's probably the differentiation, but as they've evolved the car because it's so much more usable every day like the gt3 has sort of taken part of the spot that kind of was like where a turbo's sat yeah i know but is that typical sizing you up of the that car salesmen do isn't it and then thinking that mm. you know why would you don't want a gt3 you don't look like a track guy i mean it's weird well i'm just saying back then it probably will actually was a lot more true whereas these days it probably is less true 
Where was the turning point though with the GT? I know we're getting back to GT3 again, but I wonder when the turning point was <laughs> yeah. where 997 GT3s, it wasn't, a lot of people weren't buying them. Then it goes to 991 and then all of a sudden everybody wants a GT car and people want them in bright colors. It just sort of, I wonder what the tipping point know. was there, why it changed. You know what I mean? It's very weird how these trends happen because that's, that's a trend that I still don't understand. I remember seeing it on the forum. People were just buying up GT3s, weren't they? Um, yeah. It's weird. It's a mixture of kind of um, very clever marketing, um, you know, like I can sort of vouch for that, like having been in that sort of industry for a long time. Like a lot of that is just, you know, like steering people, trying to <laughs> trying to basically kind of persuade your people's brains to kind of think a particular way and sort of think that something's very desirable, you know, like a You're green right. Rolex Submariner. Yeah. Know. Everyone wants you might not like the color green, but all of a sudden you kind of equate green to being sort of this holy grail well, of things that you all of a sudden want. As I was what, listening to something the other day, you know, someone was saying Rolex are very, very clever. They keep bringing out the same watch over the last 40 years. They only change mm. it in little ways and people think it's different mm. and sought after and everyone wants it mm. and you can't get one. You know what I mean? Yep. And this thing about it being, you know, they're not making very many is all rubbish. As we know, yep. they make hundreds of thousands of them a year. They make a million watches a year. And it's that thing, it's their marketing. And I guess the GT3... So apply, apply the same logic then to like current day kind of GT3. Exclusivity. Because beforehand, yeah, yeah beforehand a GT3 was not supposed to kind of be an exclusivity kind of luxury, yeah. you know, luxury mark thing. It was, it was really because Porsche by Heritage is a proper kind of motorsport, you know, motorsport brand. And that was the car that kind of represented it. And that's, that's the car that they could sell to people. And then it just sort of shifted because everybody wanted what was like, you know, their best product because they wanted it, not because they knew how to kind of take it. it like you could argue that's me because I'm not a track person. I wanted yeah. the best car that they could get. So you can get the, <laughs> the most exclusive car, the best car, one of the best cars, and it's cool. It's cool. You know yeah. what I mean? Sorry, and I know, sorry, this is supposed to be a conversation about turbos right well like it is kind of the turbo use the tur well the turbo used to be that car yeah and the gt's taken over from the turbo hasn't it a bit yeah and now yeah. porsche is trying to make the turbo s 992 turbo s a bit it's trying to get its mojo back it's trying to make a it a little this, bit back this, like yeah that. back how yeah. it was yeah it's interesting it's because interesting. they've kind of got two lines they've got they've got they've now got two versions of that because they are about the same price like in theory, like similar performance, right? Like in terms of acceleration times and all of that sort of stuff. But yeah. They're very different kind of experiences. Um, like if you want to be one of the kind of cool kids with the motorsport type stuff, then you go for a, a GT car. But I'm assuming like we just tried to kind of discuss, like if you're wealthy enough and um, you want to get about um, in a more everyday but like cool as fuck car, then... Go get a turbo. Yeah, yeah. I think that sums GT it up. GT cars aren't for everyone too, yeah. I think those two comments sum it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're a good way to finish the podcast. Your two final comments. That's great, Steve. I'm going to use them in the description. Oh, okay, cool. I'm going to use those two talk about, comments in the title. <laughs> talk about talking complete and utter shit. No, what I'm going to do in the, the title this week, everyone, is going to be Steve Goes Turbo Shopping. <laughs> Ah, clickbaiting again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Hey, there's one other thing I wanted to, to talk, uh, just to mention. I was watching, yeah. and I sent this to Ajmal as well um, in the UK, uh, flat cap driver. Make sure you go and follow him. Um, there was a 912 on Bring a Trailer. It broke mm. the record 
I'm bringing a trailer. It sold oh, for ninety-five. Sold for ninety-five thousand US dollars. Plus their two and a half thousand fees, so it's ninety-seven and a half thousand US dollars. It sold for. So was there turning, something particularly special about it? Uh, it was in that right color. I forget the color. That yellowy orange color, not tangerine. It's a special oh, color. Oh, signal. Oh uh, no, no, no! It's the nine twelve color. I forget. Not champagne. It's the brighter yellow one. I should remember. Sorry, I don't right. remember. Um, it was restored by a well-known Porsche guy in, in California. I think it had been in lots of Porsche events in the region and people know the car and, but you know, right. it's, it's crazy. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a 912 and it, it went for 95,000 US dollars. So there you go. And I guess this representative of the other cars that you can buy at the price, you know, eventually mm. we'll be saying, you know, can you remember when boxes were 35,000 and now they're 120, you know, who would pay 120 for an old 30 year old Boxster, but it's going to happen. It's got to cap out somewhere though, doesn't it? Surely there's not that many people that can continue to kind of pay these like ridiculous prices for well, things. Well, it seems to be, yeah, it's getting a little bit too crazy, isn't it? Um, there's mm. a couple of other, there's a couple of like Targas and stuff, 911 Targas on Bring a Trailer, which are getting crazy prices now too. Like, you know, Is pretty it? nice yeah. examples, nice examples. Uh, just on a slightly different tangent too, I watched um, Nick Murray's latest video on his um, selling his 928. Yeah, what do you think of that car? Before we go, oh, somebody should get on that. That looks great. Yeah, looks I know. really good. I have to admit, I like. Yeah, go on. I don't. I, I was going to say like, um, uh, I'm not sort of casting sort of funny things, but like, um, in terms of his asking price, you know, like he's being very honest and sort of saying like it's he's not really kind of making anything on it after like the what he paid for it plus the money he's kind of tipped in. Like, why doesn't he ask more for it? Because it does, it does really, it does look really, really good. The thing is, you know, maybe he doesn't have the time. But if he put it on P car market, I think he should have put it on Bring a Trailer. I think that he would get big mm -hmm. money for that nine two eight. Some have gone for reasonable money. It's a nine two eight S, right? It's an S as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like, annual, like he pointed out all the kind of flaws in it, which are minimal, you know, like sort of so saying that minimal. it's not perfect. But yeah, no, like, and uh, you know, you and I kind of sort of fussy kind of car guys like man i could live with that for um you know like for i can't remember what year that that thing is but it's an old car so you're not expecting it to be kind of absolutely perfect yeah, yeah no i was watching the video and i'm thinking if that's all that's wrong with this car then that's an yeah. amazing buy and then he says the price and he's so like you know low on the price really he could get much more for it i mean someone's going to get a bargain with that car it's a great color the interior is like fantastic for the age. Like some That's 997s yeah. have worse lumbar on the driver's seat and worse rips, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, those like the little bits of um, stitching that he kind of pointed out um, that weren't quite right, like a good trimmer can fix that in a flash. I know, you want to um, buy it. We should go halves in it, mate. Hi <laughs> to my wife. <laughs> All right, I think we're going to finish it on that. Um, but yeah, someone should buy that nine two eight. I think Nick should have bought it. Nick, if you're listening, you should you should have bought that nine two eight. I understand Wasn't he why. Was he looking at it? Was he serious or was he? I understand. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I look at it and I think, oh, do I want a nine two eight instead of a nine twelve? That's that's so cheap. I even worked out how much it'd oh. bring to Australia. I still end up about eighty seventy. What is it? Forty thousand he wants for it, right? So it's about eighty thousand landed in Australia once you get it, you know, compliant compliance and all that sort of stuff and freight. Because sound, that V8, like um, you'd be kind of, the experience of that type of V8 um, would no longer kind of be, Yeah, that'd be kind of hard to find and just 
the the longer time goes on and the more we go to electric cars, like that V8 would be amazing. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I always love the shape of the 928. Um, I used yeah. to work with someone yeah, that had yeah. one from new and still had it 10 years later. Um, right. And I always thought it was fantastic then. Um, but mm. people who don't know what we're talking about, this is Nick Murray who's on YouTube. There could be some people listening who don't know what we're talking about. Oops. Nick Murray Sorry. on YouTube who has a 928. He bought a green 928. Um, oak green, I think it is, or fern green. I don't know what the color of green. I think it's oak green with tan mm-hmm. interior. Yeah. It's mechan- It's like electrically, electric, all the electrics have pretty been fixed up. Mechanically, it's pretty good and body is pretty amazing for a car that old. Um, but he's been selling oh, it. Oh, get so this. What? That's got D90 wheels on it as well, like in chrome. And I actually think they look good as yeah, well. Yeah, they look good. Ah, <laughs> oh, back to that I, trend. I hate those wheels, but it looks good. Yeah. Back to that trend you were saying, the Foosh wheels, you know. Now I want to get a white 911 and get Foosh, uh, the Foosh wheels and get them painted white directly from, from, <laughs> Fuch, from Fuchs and get them painted white. The white wheel thing is yeah. so cool. You were right, Steve. You're on it. Do it to your car. You've got Not the white car. It. Do it. Do no. it. No. <laughs> all right everyone wheels. all right everyone steve and i forgetting that you guys are there um we're gonna go now yeah, um thanks for listening this is a portugal podcast thank you steve thanks mate have a good week yeah you too stay um, safe yeah stay safe i'm getting out of bahrain soon we're going back to london in two weeks so oh cool all my friends in london you you know say hi um All right, so that's it. My name is Michael Bath. That was Steve. Uh, This is a Portugal podcast, and we'll speak to you again next week. Bye for now.